Okay, so we are on message three of our light of love and forgiveness, or of um, the light of love is what we're looking at, but we're still looking in forgiveness. I've tried desperately to get off this topic, but it seems that we need to dwell here for a little while longer. So we've got next week, Mr. Andrew Montgomery will be teaching on the light of the cross, so we will, we will anticipate that. Uh, but this week, what I want to do is want to go over what we've already uh, learned about the cross and uh, dig in a little bit deeper about uh, forgiveness and unforgiveness as well. So it's been clear that for us as a church, the Holy Spirit wants us to be able to practice what we preach. And as I said all of the time with the Mind Matter series, this as well as every message does has to be moved from theory into practice. Uh, I've certainly found uh, elements of this really trickling into my own life, and I hope it's been the same for you guys. And I appreciate that this whole topic of forgiveness and dealing with unforgiveness is, it's a bit like, but you don't know. And I appreciate that it's difficult, um, but God never, ever said that it was going to be easy either. But what he did say is that we would have life and life in all its fullness. You get what you pay for, not right? Okay, so we want to learn what it means to love our neighbor, um, but the love will be much less if we don't know how to accept that for ourselves. So there are three things about, as he nearly holds up four fingers, there are three things about the light of love. It shines on us. Then it shines in us as we partner and really open up a bit like a flower, if that's for those of us who are men, if that's a bit like can't identify with that one. Uh, It's just about opening up and saying, okay, so your light's been on me, now I want your light to be in me. And as we let his light in, you'll find that that light has an agenda to get into different parts of our lives. What about that area? What about that area? Um, And as we open up, then the light that was on us is in us. And as that happens, then it shines through us. And these three things, as I've been reflecting on it, are happening all the time. And they're all happening continuously. Now, we may have a season where his light is shining on us. Then we have, may have an obvious season where his light is shining in us, and we need to partner with him. And then we also may have another very obvious season of his light shining through us. But at every stage, on us, in us, and through us. You are deeply, specifically, and intimately known and loved by God. Jesus Christ died for you to set you completely free and you're forgiven for all of it, for absolutely everything. And we have largely as a community and as a church culture been discipled in unbelief that what Jesus did wasn't enough. You know, how could it be? You're beyond grace. Well, it covered that stuff or it covered that person, but it didn't cover you. And we need to know that God will hold us accountable for what we wouldn't believe. We often have more faith in punishment than in forgiveness. And what we need to keep remembering is that the hammer of punishment fell once on Jesus Christ so that it would never ever fall on us. John 19.30, when he, being Jesus, received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. The Greek word tetelestai means to perform the last act which completes a process. So when Jesus said it is finished, he meant it. It is done. And 1 John 4, 18 to 19, which has really become an important verse as we've been going through this series, is there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. The one who fears has not been perfected in love. And we love because he first loved us. And here's the kicker. When we refuse to forgive what God has forgiven, we are believing, declaring, and living as if the cross of Jesus Christ was not enough. And that is unforgiveness. The sacrifice that Jesus made 
is enough, completely enough. And it's our responsibility, really, to let our uh, spirit receive that and then to let our soul, being our mind, will, and emotion, wrap itself around the truth. Now, you may go, well, I don't feel that to be true. We've talked about this quite a bit. It's not about feeling. Your feelings largely are incredibly rebellious. So you'll know the truth, the truth, and it sets you free, but then your soul starts to reason it and go, how could that be true? What about this? What about this? What about this? And eventually then your soul, if you let it lead you, will be the one that kicks it out and says, no, 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 we know how this goes. But if we can yield to what the uh, Holy Spirit is saying to us, what our spirits is receiving, and let our spirits lead our mind, will, and emotion, we'll live a completely different life. And I know that for many of us, we have started to, to live that and have experience of living that. So Isaiah 53, 5, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. This is really, really good news. And I think that for most of us, it is hidden behind a lot of re- religiosity, where we, you know, are you saved, and, you know, Jesus died for you, and it just rolls off us like uh, water off a duck's back. But in reality, this is incredible. Absolutely incredible. So when God looks at the sin that you committed, he sees his son paying for it on the cross. And you're a new creation. The shame and the guilt, that has nothing to do with you anymore. Jesus took it. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. When we get a real handle on this as to what Jesus actually did for us, you can't can't live as you used to live. It's completely different. The choice to live the same way, the habitual patterns to live the same way, the thought process is a bit like the tractor that has the the ingrained wheel tracks in the field. We'll want to go back into those places, but as we hold on and go, no, 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 I'm not that person anymore, we'll start to see the change. And for those of you who are doing that, is that easy? Do you remember learning to drive? Do you remember that whole, okay, put the clutch in, going to lift it up, I'm going to find the bite, where's the bite, where's the bite, oh, there it is, boom, off we go in the car stalls. So you put the foot in again, and then somebody says, okay, we're going to turn a corner, turn a corner, turn a corner, can't even get it moving. Right, when you turn a corner, you're going to have to mirror signal maneuver, and then you're going to have to find the bite, all of this stuff. And for those of us who have been driving for years, do you even think about it? And for some reason, when it comes to spiritual things, we just deny the whole physical reality that this is work. It takes time, it takes effort, but it's absolutely worth it. So we've got to live like this is true. And Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we need to think about all this very differently. So because we are forgiven, we must forgive 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. And the fullness of our forgiveness is found in our releasing forgiveness to others. It is in releasing them that we release ourselves. That we, we, uh, we reason that, really it's the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, I'm going to hold on to that because in some way that means that I get to hurt you. We may not think about it that way. It does not excuse what has been done to us. And in actual fact, I think it uh, makes us step into the reality of what was done to us and go to God and say, okay, I need to let this go. 
I need to trust you that the sacrifice that your son made was enough. So I want to give you a bit of a story. I have uh, two children, for those of you who don't know me. Um, my daughter Anna is eight, and my son Isaac is five. And we are trying to teach them, as most parents do with their children, the necessity of forgiving. And I think it was Anna coined the phrase that whenever she'd been hurt, she'd say, you hurt my heart. Now, you want to hear that as a dad. Now, sometimes you become a wee bit immune to it, but when there's big old fat tears accompanying those words, you think, oh, jeepers, I really have hurt her heart. And uh, this was actually a story about Isaac. So Anna and I were on a daddy-daughter day, I think it was a couple of years ago, and we went ice skating. And we had a great time uh, because we think that there's benefit in getting time with them separately as well as together. It's just good and it's healthy and, you know, all those things. So anyway, uh, we came home. Isaac had been spending time with Claire and I think they had a good enough time. But by the time it came to bedtime, I was putting Isaac to bed, as you do at bedtime. And uh, he was just a wee bit off. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. I can't remember whether he was being a bit grumpy or I can't remember what was happening. But I do remember stepping back and just thinking, God, what is going on here? And what I heard was, he's, uh, he's hurt. And I pieced it together. And I said, son, are you, did I hurt you? Tears start to fall. It just really crumbles. And he says, daddy, I just felt so left out today whenever you took on ice skin. Now you might go, what are you talking about, Colin? It's just ice skin. It's just a five-year-old. No, it's my son. And because I did something that I didn't intend to hurt him with, he'd got some hurt. Now, why would God tell me that he has some hurt? Well, because I need to lead him in responding to the fact that he's got some hurt, and that hurt needs to be dealt with. So I just said, I'm really sorry, son. I just felt really left out, Daddy. I said, son, I would never, ever leave you out. Never, ever, ever. But I needed to get some time with Anna as well. Just like I need to get some time with you. But I'm sorry if that hurt you. It's okay, Daddy. It's okay. He didn't know. If you're anything like me, half the time, neither do I. Do you ever find that something happens and you, uh, I found recently something that happened and I was in work and I realized I was just getting offended about everything and getting all, you know, and I thought, what, this isn't like me, I'm not normally like this, thankfully Claire's not here, um, I don't normally get on like this, God, what's going on, ah, it's that thing right there. So we need to know ourselves and be aware of the things that hurt us. We need to learn to do this, that it's not just for our children, but it's for us. Until we recognize hurt, we really will not realize forgiveness. And do you ever have people come to you and say, um, did I hurt you? If, maybe it's just me. Did I hurt you? And you know darn fine that they have, and your response is, no, 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 everything's fine. No, 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 no. Why do we do that? What I've learned to do is to say, I, well, normally I would go to the person now because I would want to deal with it, but if someone came to me and said, did I hurt you? I would normally go, if I wasn't aware, I would think about it. And if I didn't feel there was anything, I would say, no, no, not at all. What was going on for you? What made you think that? And we would have a conversation. But if they had, I've learned to go, yes, actually, you did. And they then get to go, I'm really sorry. And I say, it's okay, I forgive you. And they're forgiven if they choose to accept the forgiveness. And on they go with their lives. Who does it benefit when we do not admit the reality of what we've experienced? 
Until we recognize hurt, we will not realize forgiveness. We need to recognize the hurt in ourselves that at times needs to be communicated. And we also need to recognize when we've maybe hurt somebody else. So if you haven't been here for communion, on the first Sunday of every month we take communion. And what we do is we say that it's about having right relationship with God and about having right relationship with each other. And then we say, okay, so if you have some issue with anybody, then we would ask you, we're going to give you a few minutes, we would ask you to go over and have a conversation with that person and release forgiveness or receive forgiveness. And everybody goes, oh, this is a bit awkward. Or that one time when Claire came up to me and you all heard the kiss over the microphone. Or the other time where we heard little footsteps of somebody walking across. Why do we do that? Because we don't want anything between us. We don't want anything between us and him, and we don't want anything between us and each other. And it's really, really good for relationships. It requires us to lovingly confront, which deepens relationships, and we need to recognize the hurt in others so that they might also be free. Um, A lot of years ago, we got, Claire and I got married in 2006, and uh, I got to know this great guy, the Reverend George Grindle. He was a fantastic man. He is the only man that I have ever known to have died. And as I remember him, I just think of the stuff that he taught me about God or the moments that I had with him or the things that he did. Wonderful man. And yet incredibly human as well. So he and I were having a conversation and this was before Claire and I got married. It's really cold in here. We need to do that. You know the moment in the karate kid where he goes, rub the hands together to get some heat going. So anyway, I was talking with George and he said something to me and I just, it just hit me. You know when somebody says something, it's like, oh, and I kept thinking about it all day and it just rattled around in my head and I was seeing Claire later on that night and I said what had happened and she said, why don't you ring him and just talk to him? And to be honest, at that time, that wasn't really what, what was the done thing. You kind of thought, well, jeepers, why should I go to somebody when there's a bit of hurt? That might be, you know, might be making a wee bit of hassle and all that kind of stuff. What's that rooted in? That's rooted in lack of self-worth. We need to let people feel the weight of who we are. And we can do that in humility because God loves us and Jesus died for us. So therefore, if there's hurt and there's hurt in relationship, we go to the person. Isn't that what the Bible says? Matthew 18 and all that. So I rang him. We chatted a bit. To be honest, I didn't know what was going on. Then he just stopped me and he said, Colin, can I ask you, did I hurt you? I said, I think you did, George. He said, I'm really, really sorry. I said, it's okay, George. And we just got on with normal life. Are any of us ever too big and too high and mighty to just say, I'm sorry, I get it wrong. I had a guy came to me one time and said, you were ministering to me one time and, and you said this and I don't think that was right. I said, I, I, I think I just got it wrong. He went, oh. I was working in a cinema. I totally forgot to tell the family that I told the wait to go into the cinema to watch their film. And they came up to me and said, the cinema started and I said I am so sorry and they went okay well, well, well you know what, what, why, why would I wriggle if Anna and Isaac and I say did you do this and they say I did you know not to do that okay we're done did you do this did you do that or as Isaac would go I don't want to tell you son you need to tell me. Or the better one is, did you hit your sister? I did, and the kicked her as well. 
Okay, Isaac, really love the fact that you're very honest and transparent, son, but it might not be the best idea to kick your sister. What do we do with, what do we do with our girls? We protect them. Was that protecting them? No. So why do we fudge it? Hey, I find there's a lot of liberty when we just go, do you know what? I got that wrong. Come on. We do, don't we? So we need... Um, it's important, we need to read the bit, but wrong bit there. It's important to own where we have hurt others and to say we're sorry. And just as George did, we need to shine the light of love and call out the hurt in another who is suffering unto restoration. And sometimes it's appropriate to ask for forgiveness. I find that not all the time. Sometimes that can be about driving your own agenda. It's like if you say the magic words, then ever that, that releases me from this. But sometimes when we say, look, Carl, I hurt you. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And Carl goes, I would. I'll go, wait. I'll go, all right, I forgive you. We're done. And it's a marker and we get to move on with our lives. We don't want to have unforgiveness. When we have unforgiveness in any shape or form, and what I would say is we need to keep short accounts with all this stuff. I appreciate for some of us, we have been so hurt. We have been abused. We have been wronged. None of this removes the reality that those things happened. And the pain of those things, it doesn't remove the reality. But also to the simple little things where we just take offense at somebody who looks at us the wrong way or says the wrong thing. We do not want to hold on our boat. We want to stop the bleed and we want to heal the relationship. And this is the practical application of what Jesus did on the cross. We want to live that out. It is the nature of love to heal. And until we recognize hurt, we will not realize for forgiveness. And what I would say is I've noticed in our culture that for most of us, it is difficult to another person to communicate to another person that we've been hurt by them. But again, as I was saying, that's linked to a lack of self-worth. Jesus died for you. You're here to live life and to live it in all its fullness. And it is a death to self when we have to go and confront somebody lovingly, lovingly, not accusing. What I, the best way to do it is to say, can I talk to you about something? Just this, this happened, and when that happened, I was actually quite hurt by that. Rather than, you did this, and when you did this, you did this, and you do this all the time. All you are is this, and blah, blah, blah. And do, 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 do. We want to come with a heart towards restoration. When we bring confrontation and our hearts are right, it is about bringing restoration to the relationship. We uncover to reconnect. We lovingly confront to restore and reconnect. And we understand the cross more fully when we understand our sin and the effect of it. A wound can be totally healed when it is seen in its totality. Now, I was reflecting on this this morning as I do on the Sundays before I speak. When Jesus had the crown of thorns on his head before he went to the cross, did he not? Now, if the crown of thorns represents, now I'm bridging a gap here and saying this, okay? But if it was to represent the understanding before he went through the suffering, what I find is that often before there is a, a release of something, I understand what it is that actually went wrong. So if I have hurt somebody, normally the Holy Spirit will be kind enough, although it hurts, to help me to understand what actually happened in the process that the hurt was caused. And then I get to go to the cross. Okay, God, would you release me from all of that? Because if we don't understand what has happened, then how on earth do we understand the application of the forgiveness? Does that make sense? 
So this whole thing of being able to own what's been done to us, not in a way that we then stroke it as if it's a monster and it gives us strength, but just in a way of going, do you know, I was actually hurt when that happened. And I think I was hurt because that's what was communicated. And I know that that's not true. Okay, so can we have a conversation? And then we can release it all and let it go. Let's be real. This is awkward. And half the time, we expect it not to be. We come into these things thinking, okay, God's asking me to confront this person. And whenever we go there and we have the conversation, we wonder why it's all a bit awkward. Of course it's going to be awkward. Why wouldn't it be anything else? We had a situation in work yesterday. There was a lady who uh, was gets dressed up in costume to come. We, I work in the Titanic Museum. So she got dressed up to come into costume as Rose. And uh, I had to hand her a, a gift bag that somebody put together for her. It was decidedly awkward. It was just a wee bit weird. Nobody else wanted to do it. I kept saying to other people, I, I've already given her the bag and she asked me to take it back again. Do you want to give it to her? I'm not giving it to her. That's just a bit weird. So I thought, this is just weird. There you are. It's lovely to meet you. There's the bag. Off we go. It's just a bit awkward. There's things in life that are just a bit awkward. I went to the dentist last week. I do not enjoy the dentist. When you say to somebody, we scratch, they do not mean we scratch. They mean a whole heap of pain. I had a little uh, mole thing removed here. The doctor said, it's going to be a bit like a cigarette burn. I said, "Um, have you had a cigarette burn? He said, no. I said, neither have I. So what's this going to feel like? And he went, I don't know. (laughs) It hurts. But I got that little mole removed because it's better for me to not have it. I go to the dentist and endure the pain of fillings and all that yuck. For those of you who don't struggle with it, I don't want to hear it, all right? When you're a five-year-old and you have your teeth pulled out and on the radio is my 19th nervous breakdown, you come and talk to me then, all right? We do those things because they're better for us. So when it comes to relationships, why don't we think the same way? Oh, I've got to do one of those conversations, but I'm going to do it because in the end it's much better. It's real, it's awkward, it's difficult, it can be painful, but we've got to own our own mess. We've got to clean it up and we've got to be willing to change. And I know that my soul man doesn't like it, but... The fruit's good, and it's an opportunity to be humble whenever I have to own it. And I don't know about you, but I quite like to be around people who are humble and can own their own mistakes. James 4 verse 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we don't want to stop the flow of forgiveness. It's designed to flow from him through us to others. Unforgiveness stops the flow because we believe we're right to condemn and prescribe judgment. Remember that the hammer fell once and it fell on Jesus Christ. It was all finished by his sacrifice. And unforgiveness shows that we haven't really quite understood what Jesus did on the cross. So let the light of love and forgiveness shine on us, then in us, and then it must shine through us. Matthew six fourteen to 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. When we forgive, we do not minimize what was done to us. You remember the woman who was caught in the act of adultery? Jesus said to her, I don't condemn you. But that meant also that he still had to go to the cross and pay the price for it. Hebrews twelve fifteen. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So what I would ask all of us to do is you want to search in your heart and ask the Holy Spirit, is there any area of bitterness? Is there any area of unforgiveness that I have in my heart? 
because really it is an entry point for the enemy. And forgiveness protects us from the strategy of the enemy. Offense is the bait of Satan and he desires to hook us in unforgiveness so that we are not living in the light of the cross. Could I get you guys to come up? So the soul also, have you found that whenever you know that you need to go and do something, you know I need to go and tackle this, but your soul, your mind, will and emotion starts to justify its position, starts to reason it away, starts to say, no, you don't need to do that. You need to stay in this place where you can stand and you say you were wrong. We need to be aware of that. And we need to let our spirits lead our soul so that it follows along and then we do what's required of us. And if... This has been my experience. There is a hideous strength in unforgiveness. When we've been hurt or wronged and we hold on to that thing, there's a, a, like a dark kind of power comes from that. And that's not what we want. Unforgiveness is the beginning of hatred and hatred fuels the heart of the enemy. He hates what God loves and we don't want to touch any of his stuff. Last week I read from uh, Corrie Ten Boom's account of when she, uh, she was a prisoner of war along with her sister um, and she was in a concentration camp. And I read the account of when she, forgave a, for when she forgave a guard from that concentration camp. And I just want to read this excerpt again. She said, I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. But those who nursed their bitterness, those, they remained invalids, and it was as simple and as horrible as that. If forgiveness is light, unforgiveness is darkness, and we want to stay in the light. We don't want to live in the reality of the past. Please hear me, the reality of the past is what, as to what happened. We want to live in the light of love. And he is here, right here, right now. And he's ready to forgive us, to heal us, to help us to release forgiveness to others. So let's be a people who live in God's forgiveness and are quick to forgive. Can I ask you to stand with me? As always, we have some questions to help you to respond. And if you can say yes, any of the following questions please come and join me at the front and, and again I'm always saying you don't need to answer the questions if you want to come up for ministry then please come and do that do you need to deal with unforgiveness towards yourself and receive what Jesus did on the cross do you uh, know you need to lovingly confront another person for their actions and the hurt that was caused and do you need the wisdom to know how to do that and the words to be able to communicate that. And finally, do you need to ask for forgiveness? Do you know that your actions were wrong and you need to clean it up? If you can answer yes to any of those questions, then please come and join me now at the front.
whenever we are weak, you are most definitely strong. So will you come now, Holy Spirit? 